Okay, podcasters, welcome back to another episode of Improper Mimi, where we talk about things that empower women at home, work, or play. So today, I'm actually going to be chatting about some of the things that we've had for topics over the last few weeks, um, and why I've been so passionate about them, and why it's important to just keep hearing back from you, the listeners, about what you want to hear, about topics or concerns that you have about women of color, Black women in the community, and business, and family, love life, all that good stuff. So if there's a topic that you want to tell me about, if you think that it would be great for Improper Mimi to cover, or something that you even think would be helpful for other women of color to hear, don't even hesitate to let me know. Send me a DM, Instagram handle is Improper Mimi, or you can even send me an email straight away, improper.mimi at gmail.com. And that's just an M and proper.mimi at gmail.com. All right. So if you've been listening to some of the topics we've had for season two, some of the recurring themes that have come up have been how do the thoughts of others impact the thoughts that we have of ourselves? We've talked about imposter syndrome. We've talked about colorism and how um, based on the color of one's skin, um, they could be you know, determined to be better than other folks or treated differently, even within the same family. Um, and you know, impacts of colorism on the job as well, of uh, favoritism for some who are more fair or lighter skin. Um, we've even talked about how sex work is work. And, you know, importantly there, you know, no matter what kind of, you know, vanilla lifestyle we live where we may or may not even um, know or be in contact with people who are involved with sex work, just knowing that any injustice to them is an injustice to us. You know, when we look at the intersectionality of race and gender and education um, and class and ethnicity as well, you know, so it's not just within that realm of, of sex work, but it's the thought and the concept of fair work and equality. Um, a lot of times when we, you know, talk about feminism, we we say that the Black woman is left behind or left for the second thought or the second round of making things right. And um, the same is true for those, you know, non-gender or those um, who may be involved with sex work because, yeah, like our guest said for that episode, uh, Bruja Pussy, you know, she very clearly said that, you know, at the end of the day, sex work is work, you know, so the, the laws and regulations that you have to keep you safe at work, why don't others deserve the same safety and protection, regardless of the line of work that they're in? Yeah, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of both, definitely. Um, you know, I do like to say that sex work is is not inherently empowering, not to everyone, you know, um, and also, like, not even to me, like, sometimes I'm not you know, I have to take a session, a session that's not um, particularly, you know, that I know it's not going to be like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, get aroused or get, get off on it, you know, or what have you. Um, it's just like, cause it's work. Cause I need the money, you know, sex work is work at the end of the day. Um, so like, you know, in my work, speaking of my work, you know, connection is very important. So that is also empowering to me 
and I have found that, you know, to others as well, because um, in this work and lifestyle, it's, you know, you, you're, you're around intimate, private parts of people, you know, and you're, in my, in my role as a dominant, you are basically, you know, you're trusted with another person's uh, submission, which is, you know, their consent, consensual relinquishing of their, of their power and the decision-making and what have you, and whatever that looks like, because it looks like, you know, it looks different for everybody, just like dominance looks different for everybody. One other topic that we touched on was um, dealing with trauma, you know, PTSD, and really learning and finding out that PTSD isn't just for for men who are come back from the front lines of war. You know, we spoke very deeply um, and intimately with Christy Tobias, um, new author of Fearlessly Made You. And, um, and she really shared a lot of her experiences of, you know, sexual and physical abuse and just a trauma of going through those type of events and surviving. And then how do you keep pressing forward? So fearlessly made you came from a few things. So when, and I, you guys will hear me talk about my mom a lot. Mama Tobias is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's a rock star. She came from Jamaica, um, has this fierce independence because she didn't feel like she had that growing up. And so she's instilled that in us. And now she's, you know, I won't tell you how old she is because she would punch me in the face. Um, she's not a violent woman. She's just aggressive. Um, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> in a loving way. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, she, um, but no, she, um, taught us about the concept of you can have the ability to be your own person, no matter how people feel about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that teaching, I learned there's that opportunity to be fearless and that's not without fear. It's not allowing fear to define you. Mm-hmm. And so that has come from my parents and my faith has been very important to me for my, my entire life. And um, there's a Bible verse that's uh, Psalm 139, I want to say, but it's you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you the exact Bible verse uh, for that. But in that Bible verse, it really talks about what it means to be okay with being exactly who you are. Um, yeah, Psalm 139, 14 is the actual Bible verse. And then also, as I started thinking about that, I was blogging. So I just kind of shifted from speaking to adding in blogging. Um, mm-hmm. My mom was saying, you know, get your voice out there because as I was speaking more, I was starting to not allow fear to define me and starting to talk about the difficulties of, you know, what the book is based on, which is my post-traumatic stress disorder, um, my working through rape and assault and abuse and saying those words and being uncomfortable saying them, but being comfortable allowing other people to say them as well. So, you know, what I project, other people are also going to project. And in that, when as I started blogging or started to prepare to blog, my mom and I just kind of kept thinking about, but what does that mean to share your story and be okay with it? What does it mean that you are comfortable in your own skin? And that verse just kept coming up. So we've got like fearless. So you are fearfully wonderfully made. So we're like, maybe fearless. And then there's a song by Jasmine Sullivan called Fearless. And that song just kept playing like on repeat constantly, like every day I would hear it. And so my mom was like, well, I am fearless. And then we're like, but if we switch it to something that's like catchier, fearlessly made, it's like, but you are the fearlessly made. So then I was like, Mm -hmm. fearlessly made you. Um, And so it just stuck. And as I've been sharing it more, I get the question a lot of times from people of, well, you know, this book, like this is, this is starting everything is like, no, being fearlessly made is 
who you are. And that is, you know, if you want to put a brand around it or whatever it is, it's, it's the exact person that who you are. The book is a product of that, but being fiercely made is a way to live. Um, so that's just kind of where I want this entire thing to go. Like the book's just part of that. It's just the idea of living your life that way. So these are some of the topics, you know, that we've talked about at Improper Mimi. And, and I really appreciate the support that we have from all the listeners because, you know, like many of you have either reached out or commented on that this is something that we've all kind of gone through, you know, at one point or another, whether it's trauma or whether it's not feeling like we are in the right place at the right time with our job and that we really are qualified to do what um, we're called to do, um, or whether it's you know, being treated unfairly because of the type of work we do or because of who we know or because of where we grew up. These are all, you know, different things that externally, it's how people may look at us or how they um, view us, or it could be mentally as well, how we think other people view us and how we react to that, I think has been, um, a reoccurring um, topic in my life, and I'm sure for many women of color as well, it's, it's not only knowing these thoughts and understanding that, yes, there may be times that people are looking at us. And But I think as women of color, oftentimes, you know, not only are we dealing with these external attacks on our, on our mental states, but we're actually battling ourselves as well. You know, there are tons of thoughts that go through our minds on what we think about ourselves. You know, how are we holding our tongue, you know, to protect others or how are we um, not telling people what we're afraid of because we don't want to hear their reaction to it or we're afraid of what their reaction is gonna be like judgment. Or we really don't want to hear that those people who are closest to us and around us don't support us and they don't understand what it is that we're talking about. And that's why I think it's so important for us together on Improper Mimi to, to talk about these issues, to bring in guests who have experienced, you know, colorism in their lives or the feeling of imposter syndrome and how they've gone through it and gotten over it. We may not be 100%, you know, cured. I mean, the scar may heal up, but it's still there. We still have the scab. We still have that wound on us to remind us of what we've been through. However, the fact that we have that wound means that it didn't kill us. You know, it, you know, we're a little bit stronger, you know, as they say, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. But um, that doesn't mean that it's easy to look at that wound every day and, you know, not be down on ourselves. So a lot of times you'll hear us talk about sister circles and they are so important. Even now planning, you know, a little getaway, a little trip with some sister friends where, yes, you know, we may want to go to a winery and be able to sit outside in the open and enjoy each other's company over a bottle of wine. But it's also bonding when we're talking and communicating with each other, catching up on each other's lives. You know, everyone is so busy, but it's an opportunity to share what it is that we're going through and helping to support each other on the way through it. I think especially when it comes to um, imposter syndrome, when we were talking with Alessandra Lopez and you know, just even defining what imposter syndrome is and is it really a syndrome or is it something that could be that impacts us you know, a few days a week or maybe a few, a week or two out of a month. So it may not be so much a syndrome where 
you would think that it's long lasting and, you know, we just can't get rid of it, but it's something that it may come and go ebb and flow. Those feelings that we don't belong, that we're not qualified, that, you know, perhaps they only picked us because we're a woman or they only picked me because I'm black. Um, and some people have absolutely no problem with that at all. Others, you know, may try to internalize that and say, okay, well then I've got to do a really good job. You know, like how many times have we heard that you've got to be 10 times better than the next person in order to be recognized, you know? So this feeling of anxiety, you know, that when you you're on the job and, um, you, you just don't want to mess up. You don't want to have it be the black girl's fault that something, you know, fell apart. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves, you know, so this imposter syndrome that we were talking about with, with Lysandra is, you know, just remembering to um, reassure yourself, to remember to think of those times that you did accomplish something where you did finish that project and it came in under budget or it was right on time, right on schedule, or there are many people that came to the event and said what a good job it was, or even, you know, that you guys balanced the budget, you know, or that you um, organized a um, nonprofit organization or an event that's going on. There's so many things that we do, um, not just for ourselves, but for others. So just remember those things that you have accomplished um, and remember there's more than one way to solve a problem. Affirmations, right? Telling yourself, reminding yourself. A, a big one that I've been saying this year is I don't have it yet, right? Uh, I, I don't have that yet. I don't have that house yet. I don't have that husband yet, right? Um, but I do have X, Y, and Z. So focus on what you do have, focus on what you have done, right? And celebrate small wins. I feel like as women, we also get very stressed out. Um, when we don't accomplish everything we set out to accomplish, but you have networks, you have mentors, you have sponsors for that. So remember that you're not alone. We, we all feel this at some aspect in our lives. And I think as women, we have to encourage ourselves when we start feeling this and start telling ourselves that we are here for a reason. Our voice is, is valuable. Um, we are not fraudsters, right? Um, and so just really pushing back on those thoughts and those emotions. When we talk about diversity and inclusion, there is so much, especially after coming out of 2020 with, you know, kind of a lot of allies really being awoken to realize that their allyship to promoting and advancing people of color in the workplaces um, needs a little more work. You know, they need to be a little more consistent across the board about how they show up and what they do to really help that equality um, and equity to be displayed throughout their organizations. So we're a year later from the death of um, George Floyd. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot that companies have promised and that we're waiting to see that they hold up their end of the bargain. Um, it's one thing to increase your diversity and hire more black or brown people in your organization, but hiring them at all different levels throughout the organization is equally as important. You know, not just increasing the number of women that you have at high level positions, but 
you know, all minorities, you know, increase in the amount of um, positions that they hold at higher levels as well. So, you know, I don't want to dwell on it too much, you know, imposter syndrome, but um, I think it just kind of loops back in with the other topic that we talked about as well, where how others look at us and their opinions of us sometimes shape how we think of ourselves. And I think that in each of these cases and with each of the women that we spoke with, um, when we spoke with Lisa, Lisa Jaramillo on colorism and the history of her family, um, having a, a black um, Colombian father um, and a white mother and growing up here in the States and you know, having, of course, different, you know, races, not even races, but actually um, having different shades of people within one family and realizing how the world treats people differently just based on the color of their skin alone. I always tease my tia, my, my tia Clara because um, her hair is like 1980s jerry curl, you know, and my father is what his hair is called hard hair, fellow doodle, you know, and, you know, and uh, across the way, and my grandfather had um, fellow ondulado or wavy um, hair, and my grandmother had more of the hair of my father, but even within families, um, you see different treatment based on the darkness or color of your skin. And I mean, let's be frank, if you met me on the street, you wouldn't know what my background was. I mean, my father used to say, you could be in the CIA because nobody knows what your background is. Um, and colorism can certainly also be quote unquote blind unless it's brought to your attention. Particularly um, what I'm always struck by is my sister is of darker skin complexion than I am. And she would always say as a young child, my, my favorite color is brown. I'm brown, daddy's brown. And then she would say, she would look at her mom who is of um, Western European descent and said, mommy, you have to get another husband so that you match. And that was at four years old. Um, so those types of concepts are really early, which is striking and also um, very indicative of what we're teaching our kids. Each of the stories that each of these women brought to us and they shared with us, I think helped to make us stronger by listening to their stories, by relating to their stories and be like, oh yes, yes, I have a story like that or I can relate to what this guest on Improper Beamy just spoke about. And I think that's the important part of sharing our stories. Um, even our families and our legacies, you know, often in Black families, there's so many secrets, you know, <laughs> um, that people just don't want to talk about, generational curses or whatnot that creep it under the rug or, you know, that's just not spoken about. But I think now, nowadays, people are just more um, open to speaking about such things, definitely more open to therapy within the Black community. And recognizing that no longer do we want to give these things um, power over us by not speaking about them. We want to speak about, you know, the feelings that we have when someone is um, picked over us just because of the, the color of their skin. We want to talk about how 
um, you know, equality and equity needs to be across the board for each type of jobs, you know? So I hope that just a little recap on some of these topics will help you to realize to um, the intersectionality of it all, how I really hope that um, just us talking about some of these issues will give you something to think about, you know, something that you can relate to or that you could share with family and friends as well. We are not alone no matter what others may think of us, it's imperative that we um, really do learn how to lift ourselves up um, and lift ourselves up with our sister circles around us, but then also sometimes even having to lift ourselves up by ourselves, keeping those mental notes of those small wins and those achievements that we've done so that we realize just how far we have come, you know? And I'm telling you, even if it's just a step from yesterday, it's still a step forward. Um, so that's no small accomplishment, I think, for each of us. We recognize how far we've come. You know, sometimes people will say to me, oh, wow, you're such an inspiration, you know, like um, being a single mom, going to school, working, all this stuff. And I'm like, to me, I'm like, that's life. Like, by any means necessary, yes, I needed to, to finish school. By any means necessary, yes, I'm going to provide for my daughter, you know. Um, so, yeah, so excelling at work had to be done you know i i'm not gonna you know sit around and do nothing for my family <laughs> you know so what i consider as you know a normal day of you know like you just have to keep doing it you know there's there's no other option others uh, really look at it as inspirational and you just never know who's watching you and who's listening to you and the stories that you tell and that you share so, I mean, just remember that as you go back and, you know, catch up on some of the previous Improper Mimi episodes, that we don't just live single issue lives, you know, as noted by um, Audre Lorde, we actually struggle with multiple issues at the same time. So all of these different issues, all of these different discriminations, all of these challenges that we have overcome, it's great, and I'm happy that I'm able to share these stories with all of my listeners. And I just hope that by listening to Improper Mimi, you know, that um, that you really enjoy it. So um, thank you all again for listening to Improper Mimi, you know, where we talk about things that empower women at home, work, and play. I welcome your feedback. Who knows? I may even mention them in an upcoming episode, or it might even be a topic that we cover. So your opinions and your stories are important to others, and I'd love to, to hear from you. Remember, stay as fabulous as you are, and you know, I hope that you really do try to find that power within you to survive and thrive through a whole nother season together. Um, next thing you know, it's going to be summer, you know, warm girl summer, because we ain't got no time for that hot girl summer stuff. Uh -uh. COVID is still out here, pandemic still around us. You know, we're going to take our baby steps to enter back into society. <laughs> um, after being quarantined for a year, you know, after having um, social distancing restrictions for a year, I think, um, I'm not ready to give it up. I kind of enjoy, you know, being like, oh, no, sorry, I've got to stay inside or I'm not going to be able to make it as much as I do love to be around people and enjoy, 
just that vibe and energy when you're around so many people. Um, I think as we get ready for the summer, it's going to be a little different this year. So just remember to protect yourselves, continue to look out for each other, and as always, keep telling Black stories. <laughs>